Welcome to the Merry Menopause Book Club, created and hosted by me, Jo Fuller, menopause and menstruation coach and educator, and founder of the Merry Menopause online community. This is the podcast that brings you the authors of the books, tackling and debunking the narratives and myths around menopause and midlife, to give you the information that you need so you can have a merry menopause. Welcome to the Merry Menopause Book Club podcast. Christy Watson's first novel, Tiny Sunbirds Far Away, won the Costa First Novel Award. Her second, Where Women Are Kings, achieved international critical acclaim, and her nursing memoir, The Language of Kindness, was a number one bestseller. In 2020, during the first peak of the pandemic, she published The Courage to Care and briefly returned to clinical work. During this time, Christy was shocked not only by the changing world, but her changing body as her perimenopause took hold. Today's book choice, Quilt on Fire, is her fifth book, the funny, honest and liberating account of her midlife journey. Christy writes about the joy of letting go and the pain of the morning after, of the unstoppable power of female friendship and the struggle to raise teenagers as a single parent. It lays bare the exhilaration, agony, wonder and fears of being a middle-aged woman with a wild heart, a changing body and a new set of challenges. And as her world takes on a different shape, there's something else that Christy tells us she feels, and that's the hot flush of possibility. Welcome, Christy. I feel like I know you <laughs> because you're so open and honest about your perimenopause, about your life. It's such a, a brave, um, vulnerable space that you put yourself in, and it makes your work so relatable. Um, so thank you so much. It doesn't feel like the first time I've met you. <laughs> oh, that's so kind. Thank you so much, Joe. One of the themes that runs through the book um, that was really on my radar, um, I think just because of the situation I find myself in, is your love life and your experience of relationships and dating over the years, coming into, you know, as a teenager and then into midlife. Um, and I would love to talk about that more. I'd love to talk about the ins and outs of midlife dating. But I want to start with the title of the book, Quilt on Fire, because it's not as you would possibly think about night sweats it actually starts a lot earlier on in your life doesn't it that title yeah so I um have always been searching for meaning in some form or other and really thinking very deeply and philosophically about about what life is what faith is what love means who I am identity stuff and so midlife felt like a real time of reckoning and thinking uncovering the floorboards I think time of delving into who I am and what I want from life but one of the things I kept going back to was love and I remember the very first time that I felt love and fell in love um, and it was when I was in my early 20s in a house share in southeast London and my friend and I had gone out um, with our boyfriends, came home, gone to our respective rooms next to each other. And I was kissing the man I called Marcus in the book and just kissing in that way that you do when you're young with your whole body, not your mouth. You know, our limbs were entwined and everything sparked electric and the room glowed orange. And I felt this such intense heat inside my core. I thought, wow, this is the most incredible feeling. This is what it means to be a human. I'm in love. 
And then I realised my quilt was on fire. <laughs> so I, I had bought some cheap candles from the, from the market to set the ambiance. And so basically I screamed, this fire just got out of control. It was a polyester quilt, obviously. And my, my flatmate came running in, my housemate came running in and just threw this burning comet quilt out the window, turned around and said, and was so shocked. And I said, I thought I was in love. I thought I was in love and my quilt was on fire. And she just absolutely fucking, can I swear on this podcast? Ah, uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> and she was holding her belly so hard. And when I was writing Quilt on Fire, the men just slunk off, by the way. I mean, they were sort of irrelevant by that stage. But it, what was hilarious about it and what was so lovely about it is it really was a love story because that friend who said, I fucking love you, Christy Watson, she's still my best friend. And she was there at the book launch last week and I told the Quilt on Fire story. And she sent me a photo when, when I'd said what I wanted to write. And it's of me, age around that 21, with the very quilt that went up in flames. <laughs> so, yeah, There's photo know, evidence. There's photo evidence that, you know, it, it is a love story. Um, a, a lot of love for my female friends. But, yeah, I'm very, very, very lucky to have those friends that have been there through all the major disasters in my life and thrown my literal and metaphorical burning quilts out of the window <laughs> for me. <laughs> and they feature heavily in the book mm. as themselves. And there are some pseudonyms in there as well, aren't there? Is yeah. she, can you name her? What is she? She, she's not named in the book okay. so again I'd have to check with her I'm sure she'd be delighted if I named her but I'll give her anonymity for now <laughs> she she pops up she's reoccurring yeah one of the reoccurring, reoccurring characters in the yeah, book yeah she is yeah so quilt on fire as a teenager mm -hmm. and then we come we circle back round to quilt on fire yeah well what what um what happened for me, which I was quite disturbed by, actually, is that I ended up having what I thought was a catastrophic breakdown and climbing into a fish finger freezer in Sainsbury's, <laughs> just thinking, <laughs> this is not right. Um, this is not normal. And, and, you know, all that narrative that we're hearing now time and time again, which is becoming very familiar to us all, mm -hmm. that actually it is fairly normal to feel like that in your 40s, sometimes even late 30s. And women have different ways of dealing with it or understanding it. One of the things that happened to me was I chose to take a low dose of HRT in a patch. And it, it definitely helped me. But one of the things that it did do, which I wasn't expecting, is my libido went through the roof. I mean, honestly, I, I woke up the next day. I thought, I feel like a sex maniac now. And I'd, I'd expected that at my age, which was 42 at that time, that desire and lust and all those things would just creep away and I'd be left with gardening or some other pursuit. And of course, that wasn't the case. I suddenly found myself feeling like a teenager, thinking about sex all the time. I was really disturbed by this because I'd had this whole perception of aging as a place where people don't have sex, surely, when they get older. And they certainly don't have great sex. And so I didn't understand that part of my own psyche. And so I was filled with lust and desire and longing and, and thought, oh, goodness, I've got now this sort of sexual awakening and I'm, I'm single. I was single at that point and dating. And so I thought, I'm going to have to put myself out there, even though I feel like my body and my mind are falling apart. I have to. I, it was compelled to find love in some form. I just felt <laughs> I have to find love. And, it, yeah, it was really bizarre looking back. 
um, the sort of drive for that. But I think it was about ultimately learning to love myself a little bit. And it was a very long journey of lots of horrific dates <laughs> to make me, <laughs> but to make me realize that I was projecting a fake identity onto the world. And so other people were projecting a fake identity back. And what you said at the start of the podcast, Joe, was lovely because I am trying to be radically true and truthful. And sometimes it's quite confronting and sometimes disarming. But most people, when I start telling my vulnerabilities and my truth, start telling me theirs. And that just feels like such a beautiful place where you can form real friendships with people. And so, yeah. And I agree. I agree with that on on so many levels because it is when we read these memoirs from, you know, incredible women and they do lay themselves bare, it's suddenly that relatability, but it also is that connection that we then go, oh my gosh, or in some way we're connected by our vulnerabilities. Yes, by our achievements, which is wonderful, but sometimes it's actually those very, those, those vulnerabilities, those really things that we beat ourselves up for become our strengths and they become why people love us and why we love other people. Yeah, I think it's that word messy. And I was Mm. one of these women, I don't know about you, but I was one of these women that I just looked at other women jealous with jealousy and just thought that everyone else has their shit together and they're all lifting weights and they're all menopausal warriors and they are all cold water swimming and they are doing it without any kind of uh, treatments or medication. They're just sort of sailing through this period of their life. And here I am in the dark, in my dressing gown, watching 16 episodes of first dates or whatever. And I just felt like I was the only one in the world who was getting it absolutely wrong. And it was only when I started saying, look, I really admire those women, but I'm not one of them. I'm actually a big old mess that other people who are a big old mess said, oh, me too. And I said, I thought I was the only one. And I thought everyone had their shit together. And people saying, what made you think that? Nobody does. And again, that was such um, a beneficial part of aging is to understand that we're all just struggling and everyone is to a certain degree struggling with something. And it's, and it's just we, what, what we want to show, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, menopause before Instagram. The illusion of perfection. And in mm. our perfectionist society where, you know, we can diet our way to a better relationship or we can drink green juice and become nicer people. Of course, not true, not true. But we're fed this continuously and we're becoming, I think, perhaps even more like, more like that. Maybe it is social media. I don't know. And but, that's that's why I think it's so important that we, you know, we talk about our stories and we share our stories and we understand that, you know, perfection isn't actually something that we should be striving for. Yeah. But it's, you know, just living a real life is something we should be striving for. And a very sort of interesting point you make in the book, Christy, is that you you did take HRT. It really did help help you, the physical side of things, but actually you went separately without the medication into your unravelling. Yeah. Into, into the psychological side of what was happening. And HRT didn't per se help you with that. That was the no. journey that you were, that important part of menopause that I think we have to go through. It's a, yeah. it's a rite of passage, unfortunately, and it is messy. Mm. And it's so beautiful when you come out the other side with some sort of understanding. But it, for me, it was very turbulent, reckless, um, uh, and yeah, falling apart so I could put myself back together in a new way, really. And I think 
you know, however you do that and whatever helps you do that, good luck to you. It's a bit like good luck, Leo Grand. Have you seen the film yet? No. Oh, this is, this you, is must, the, you must, this you must, is you must, you must. new film with um, Emma Thompson that's yeah. just opened, hasn't it? And it has got um, like 9.9, almost 10, 10 star reviews. Oh, it's, it's like... just, it's amazing. I wanted to kind of punch the air and say yes, because again, it was about a woman coming to terms with her sexuality, uh, finding some love for herself and, you know, just discovering herself, her body, her, her age, her experience. And she's naked at the end. And I just thought she looks so powerful and so beautiful. And yeah, it was really, I, I definitely recommend it anyway. Yeah, no, um, it is. I would. I was going to try and go yesterday uh, and I didn't get around to it. But yes, I've heard it's fantastic. And I would definitely yeah. go and see it now if you recommended it. Yeah, and it's the imperfections, actually. It's a celebration of imperfect. And that's Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> As Brene, and you, I know you're a fan of Brene Brown. You quote her a couple of times in the book, but it's that, you know, the imp, um that's my mind's just gone completely brain, brain fogged to me. The, what's her book on imperfection? The perfection of imperfection, isn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, she's but she writes about, yeah. basically, she writes about how imperfection is perfection. I'm going to stop saying it because I'm going to confuse myself. But there's <laughs> some wonderful work out there by Brene Brown on trying to be a perfectionist. And actually, what what really are we striving for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I, I, I think um, the HRT thing is very interesting at the moment because there's been a lot of, I mean, culture wars going on about it, pitted up, you know, women pitted against other women by the media as ever. Um, and really, everyone just wants the same thing mm. is do whatever you need to do to live a, a, a good life. And, yeah. you know, that's going to be completely individual for every single person. But we I, all know, you know. Sorry, it, sorry. It always, it always is is about soul searching. However, you do it, I think, and it's also about empowering us to make our own choices yeah, and not absolutely. just caught up in what somebody you're following on social media is saying or somebody you're following in the press is saying. It's like make that choice for yourself. Try it. If it doesn't work, if you don't want to try it, don't try it. Yeah. Whatever. But understand that there is no cure for menopause. It's not an illness. It is a, it is a journey. And if you yeah. want some insights into that journey, put on fire because it will help you understand. If you're not recognising what's happening to you, it can certainly help you understand that there is definitely a journey that you go on in midlife, hormones yeah. or not. I think so. And I think uh, in my case, obviously, I had pretty severe symptoms um and I think with in my case without the HRT I would have become incredibly mentally ill mm. um, well I was I mean I really was but everybody is so so different and I've got friends who um who have had no symptoms at all at all and I think there's something so interesting to unpick there why is it that some women get more symptoms than others and we're talking from a very western white UK privileged position as you know so th there's so much culturally anthropologically going on underneath the surface and that's why I was really interested in looking at the history and looking at you know listening to our ancestors listening to our grandmothers mothers and they were speaking the same words in a very different language in a very different way um, and one of the titles, one of the chapter titles is women, women are water as well as fire. Mm. Women are always been water as well as fire. And so I'm very interested, not just in the kind of zygotes, zygotes treatment that's going on um, or thinking about, for example, um, 
you know, obviously it's very important to think about misogyny in medicine, but I'm also very, very interested in a wider cultural perspective, how menopause, for example, in West Africa is seen as a literal superpower, not losing, but gaining. And that's a lot about the patriarchal society that we live in. But I think it's not binary. You know, we don't have to be one or the other. We can be a very spiritual, soul-searching, finding-meaning woman who's really helpful, um, helped by books and exercise and good diet, who also needs HRT patches. It doesn't have to be one thing or another. I just think whatever works, whatever works for all of us. And always, always that kind of female friendship thing, I think, is just the thread that goes through everyone's experience that makes life better doesn't it and just it does just laughing with friends and just saying look how different we're all experiencing this and approaching it and that's great and that's fine uh, we are all going through a journey together even though it's quite a different path mm, and that's you know when you when you start to connect with your female friends at this time and you understand a who's symptomatic who isn't symptomatic whose journey I mean everyone's journey I look at my group of friends um and our journeys have been so different. And actually, I think one of the other reasons I resonated with you so much, Christy, was that you, so I, in retrospect, I look back and I would think I was 42 when my perimenopause started. And uh, my main symptom was anxiety. And I'd never suffered from anxiety before. And it's like, what the hell's going on? Mm. Um, So it kind of, you know, the wheels came off a lot earlier than I had anticipated because up until that point, you know, I started perimenopause when I was 48 uh, 48, 49. Mm. Um, and she was at the time just going to be a lighthearted look at midlife. And then it was only when I realized what was happening to me yeah. and how long it had been going on that it wasn't something I was going to come to in my 50s. It was like, oh my gosh, this is no laughing matter. This is not a lightweight conversation. This is mm. how do we get women to have a merry menopause? What can we do? What can we give them? So that journey in itself, which started, you know, at 42 with the anxiety, there was so much going on around that period of time until I got to, you know, post-menopause, which I achieved, achieved, I think it's an achievement, a few months ago. <laughs> Gold star. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in May, I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm post-menopause now. Mm. What, ha- what happens now? Well, I mean, dating. <laughs> dating. <laughs> Let's go back to dating because there are some very, very LOL, laugh out loud moments in the book. Um, and on a sort of a bit of a serious note, first, what you said about the persona that we put out, you know, on social media. I mean, some of the scenarios when you're you and your friends are dating, and it's like he's just texted me, what do I say? And yeah. it's like, you know, I'm knee deep in pizza with a hangover, but I can't say that. So you have to make up some sort of story about what the actual reality is. It just made me laugh because we just overthink everything so much, don't we? I know. But I, I was thinking about that today, actually, because I was thinking, gosh, you know, when I when I was back in the dating pool, having having had a couple of really lovely relationships, I must add, um, but I, I was back. Caveat. Yeah, caveat. Um, I was back in the dating pool, the online dating pool at forty-two, with this kind of urgent uh, feeling of I must find love. Um, and basically, I was thinking, well, I can't be honest at all. I mean, there's no way that I can be honest, even though I'm craving intimacy and connection and truth. 
I actually can't write uh, perimenopausal, slightly unhinged woman suffering with <laughs> hair loss and vaginal dryness seeks fun man for good times and a secure relationship. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna answer that? So I so of course, like everyone else, I like jazz, walking, fine wine, whatever, blah blah. Um, but it was really interesting when my friends and I were were dating. Yeah, and we, people were sending messages like, "Oh, I've just been see." Uh, the latest Beethoven concerto <laughs> and, and my friend this friend in particular said I've, I've literally listened to Madonna's holiday album on repeat for the last 18 years what should I say said, well, don't write that just write don't be you yourself yeah don't be yourself no way so we were lying our asses off basically but I can only assume that everyone else was as well so you almost create an avatar or mm. a, a fake image of yourself and someone else is projecting a fake image of their self and if you're really lucky you might meet in person there's chemistry regardless despite that but for me I just felt like it, it, it you know because I wasn't so comfortable in my own skin at that point I just felt like it was quite a dangerous place to be and it was only actually when I started feeling okay about myself through lots of hard work therapy and the Oprah Winfrey podcast <laughs> but it was only then that I decided right I'm not going to date ever again I've just had enough and then of course met met um a man who I'm wildly in love with who we who we won't discuss because he, he, he he's mentioned in the book but he's He's yeah. he's in it's it's a beautiful story. I'm not gonna we're not gonna talk about him. He's asked <laughs> he's asked that Christy doesn't discuss him, and I totally understand that. But what I will say is a really lovely I cried in the book. Oh true. I did. It moved me to tears, the story. So it's really if you're if you're like me looking for love in your 50s, it's yeah, it's a really lovely love story and it still continues to this day. Oh. Um and there is a really lovely line in the book, Christy, to going back to dating. Um, where your friend gives you some advice and says, just be yourself. Mm. And your response is, but I don't know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I really uh, realized that I had a lot of issues with my identity. And I don't think that was because I'd always had issues with my identity. I think it was a reevaluating of my identity at this point in my life, at the midpoint. And so it felt like a a chance to shake things up, to really take a long, hard look in the mirror internally and say, what is it about, who am I? Am I happy with myself? Who is it that I want to become for the next part? Am I where I want to be? And I felt like that really spoke to the time, the pandemic time that we're living through as well, because everyone's in this state of forced reckoning. We've all climbed a mountain and we're at a vantage point where we're all looking behind us and saying, wow, that's gone. That time is gone. And we can't quite imagine the future, but we can look ahead and say, right, what now? So I feel like midlife and the pandemic really speak to each other in very interesting philosophical ways. And so we're all a bit midlife at the moment. We're all having a sort of midlife crisis, if you want to put it like that. But it, it definitely felt like a very important time of my life to work out who I was. And I realized I had no idea. I had no idea. And it took me a good couple of years to really understand, right, who am I now? Who do I want to be moving forward? And it, 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 was, it was great, really, because having gone through that fire, um, it really meant that I was making conscious decisions about my own character, my values, 
what it is I want for my life. And it wasn't just sort of drifting along and being blown like the wind, blown by the wind, as I described kind of earlier in the book. Um, yeah, it felt like a real power. Sorry, I'm just taking that in. It is a real power. What would your what would your advice be to because there is there is so much press around menopause at the moment and I'm there wasn't when I came into mine so I didn't really know an awful lot about it it just kind of happened and it mm. sort of came to it definitely for me came to a head during the pandemic but what would your advice be to women who are just wanting to try and cure their menopause try and delete it try and ignore it albeit how hard this journey is what would, would what would your advice to to women out there to be about tackling this this time head on would you advise it advise what in terms of you mean go with it go with it go with the unraveling look at it why it's happening well I think it was unavoidable in my case I think at the very beginning if you if you could have said to me look uh basically I'll take all your worldly goods and I will give you a cure for menopause that you won't have to have it you won't have to go through this I would have given you everything I own and by the end, I thought, actually, I wouldn't have changed that experience as traumatic as it really was. But, and there is a but, I did have HRT to help me particularly mm-hmm. because I think, uh, you know, obviously we know about the suicide rate. We know about the incredibly difficult, deliberate, uh, debilitating, debilitating, that's right, symptoms for, for, for a minority of women, but those symptoms can be extremely severe. So I think it's very, very, I think it is an individual thing. I I don't particularly see it as a deficiency uh, because otherwise that's just an ageist thing for me because I feel like then we're then saying older women are, are deficient in some way. Actually, your hormone levels almost drop back to before you start puberty. And I love now watching particularly friends who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and I'm collecting lots of older women friends who are, by the way, very cheeky and mischievous <laughs> and hilarious. And having, um, and having threesomes, according to them. Well, they are, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, I could tell you a lot. I'm learning every day. But, but also, when they play with their grandchildren, and I see... I saw particularly, for example, one of my friends was playing with her granddaughter and they were on the beach and they were just playing around together. And I thought how similar they are in so many interesting ways, how magical what they're sharing is and how joyful. Now, that's not perimenopause. Perimenopause is literally you're sitting in the center of a fire and you can't go around it. In my case, it was just like you have to go through it. So I guess what I think is that it's a very, very, very turbulent time for many women. But actually, the other side for me is really exciting. And I'm, I'm really positive now. I was not positive at 42. Honestly, I thought my life was over. But now, in the space of just three years, having had the support that I'm very, very lucky and privileged to be able to have and done a lot of deep diving into my own self, I feel really excited about the next bit and just happy, just happy. Um, And so, uh, you know, I know that I'm very, very lucky, but I feel like- You put the work in, Christy, you did the work. Well, I'm a work in progress. And I think that's the other thing is realizing that, you know, we're all a work in progress. 
we're all a work in progress and that's okay and perfectionism doesn't exist and the illusion of control is really that it's just an illusion but actually you know there are so many things to be grateful for and I think as well the pandemic really for me it gave me a big dollop of gratitude and perspective because at the start of the book you know I'm just sort of woe is me I found three gray pubic hairs I went for a full Hollywood that was my reaction to that which is the most ridiculous thing and the most pain, the most painful thing in the history. Joe, I'm a professor. There I am going for a full <laughs> Hollywood because I found three grey pubic hairs. It's abs- I, I understand the absurdity of it. It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I did it once and it was so painful. It was well, like no way. It's just nonsense. <laughs> and yet we are all a contradiction of all these things. We can be absurd and a bit silly and complex and academic and philosophical as well we can be all the things but at that time yeah I just felt I was very narcissistic a bit self-indulgent a bit just just a bit obsessed with peripheral things as I now look back and see them at the time they felt so overwhelming but something like the pandemic came along and obviously I went back to clinical nursing for a very short time and I stood in a COVID intensive care and I thought you are so lucky you are so lucky to get to experience the perimenopause as hard as it is. You are so lucky to get to age because the alternative to go through these years is, is death. And not everyone is as lucky as we are to just be sitting here and having this conversation. It just feels like such a lucky time. And so it really shifted how I think about my life. And, and I, it gave me a much needed sense of gratitude for sure. Um, I was very focused on very peripheral things and hopefully lost a bit of that. I mean, I'll always be silly. It's my character. I'm just a silly human being. But hopefully I'll never go for a full Hollywood again. <laughs> <laughs> so of all the all the wonderful, deep and meaningful stuff in the book, Christy Watson's biggest piece of advice is don't <laughs> go for a Hollywood. <laughs> And please carry on being silly. Silly, my friends and I, when we're dating, it's the one thing that we look for in a man is silliness. Oh, yeah. Is that it's ability great. to just be silly. Um, so never stop being silly, Christy. Um, I always ask my guests if they can recommend a book or two. Most people recommend two because they can't narrow it down to one. That has inspired them, educated them, entertained them. Do you have a book for us today, Christy, or two? Uh, I do. Um, so I just started reading Douglas Stewart's oh. Young, Young Mungo, um, and I'm probably two thirds of the way through. I, I, my, my throat's been swelling up. I've been holding my breath while reading it because I'm so invested in the characters. I think the man's a genius, honestly. He, he, I've been lucky enough to meet him. Um, and I read, so Kate Muir was a guest on the podcast, uh, in the last series and her book choice was Shuggy Bane, but as an audio book, so you could, um, hear it in the dialect. And I had COVID and I listened to Shuggy Bane and it broke my heart and it still haunts me, but what an incredible piece of work. Yeah. Um, Young Mungo, I have been told I might struggle with because it's quite brutal. Mm. So I think I need to leave a bit of a gap before I yeah. tackle Young Mungo. I think but I've so. heard it's wonderful. Oh, it's just, it, I think the purpose of any art is to make you feel something. That's the point of any art, whatever it is. And boy, 
did I feel all the feelings reading this? Mm. It's just incredible. And then, of course, I love anything by Nora Ephron. Oh. And I keep coming back to Nora, who writes so brilliantly about midlife and her turkey neck and whatever else she's writing about. And, and so I just love any, any Nora Ephron work. And it was, she, she kind of writes essays, but she was also an amazing script writer. Yeah. So she wrote When Harry Met Sally. Um, which is probably my top three favourite films. And I kind of, when you when you said to me that Nora Ephron was going to be one of your choices, I kind of, your love story that unfolds in the book, He Who Shall Not Be Named, kind of reminds me, it's a bit of a When Harry Met Sally-esque kind of scenario. It's very lovely. Yeah, it's so gross. I want to puke when I read about it. <laughs> well, it made, I mean, it made, as I said before, it made me cry. And you've just said, you know, the you know the being a you know an artist is emoting that feeling and you've definitely done that in Quilt on Fire Christie so oh. you know you've you hit your own goal if that was a goal of yours <laughs> oh thank you so much um thank you for those two recommendations they're brilliant I just want to finish up today by reading um a little passage from the book it's just a few lines it's kind of in the last sort of quarter of the book um and I highlighted it. There's lots of highlights in the book, but I big, big star by it because I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful piece of writing. And I just want to finish up today by reading it. Um, and you say, there is no elegantly slipping towards enlightenment and wisdom. It's been more of a process of undiscovery than discovery, a distangling of my perceived self, a painful digging to get at my core. I spent a lifetime searching for meaning, love, faith even, and yet it has all been outward looking. At midlife, I begin a new journey inwards. Midlife brings its own meaning, layers of richness to the very heart of me, the identity inside my deep insides. All along, it turns out, I've been looking for myself. Christy Watson, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Vicky Bristow Communications for producing this series. You can find out more about me and my work at www.themerrymenopause.com or follow me on Instagram at themerrymenopause. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe. It will really help other people to find me.